Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's good to be with you today. Uh, today, I got an exciting episode for you. Um, today, I got to sit down and hang out with Heather Kelly from Heather's Choice. And uh, when this episode airs, I will actually be in Alaska and I'm going to be able to get a chance to meet up with Heather and go check out their facility and get some time to hang out with her, um, you know, perhaps do some podcasting or something, but um, looking forward to that. So, um, but today we talk about a bunch of different stuff. And if you haven't heard of uh, Heather's Choice, it's um, their amazing backpacking meals. Um, they're based in Alaska and uh, she uses high quality, healthy ingredients. So, you know, if you've been eating clean all year and you want to perform optimally in the backcountry, you really want to fuel yourself right when you're back there. So, you know, eating a bunch of garbage and high sodium stuff and candy bars and you're back in the backcountry just doesn't make sense to me. So um, if you go with a high quality option like Heather's Choice, you're going to be feeling great uh, back there. And, you know, if you actually I have a discount code with Heather. So if you use the code Hunter's Quest, you can actually save 15% on your first order at heatherschoice.com. And like I said, it's just really good stuff. I'm going to be eating uh, some of their backpacking meals. And they also have these really good snacks called packaroons that are just really tasty, calorie dense and healthy uh, snacks to, to pop real quick when you're on the trail. So yeah, check them out. And um, so Heather is just an awesome person. She's, uh, like I said, an entrepreneur, um, an outdoors woman, um, and we have a really cool conversation. She's actually become a really good friend over the last couple of weeks as I've gotten to know her a little bit better and stuff. And she just recently, you may have heard me uh, talk about it some, put on this thing called the Founders Speaker Series, where she gathered a bunch of different entrepreneurs from um, different aspects of the outdoor and hunting industry. And they did a kind of a once a week webinar series thing where she sort of interviewed these entrepreneurs and founders from the outdoor industry. It was a great event. I learned a lot. I was able to network with some, some uh, awesome people. Some of the people that have been on the podcast, I kind of met through that. I know she's going to be doing more business development type stuff like that in the future. And that's one of the really cool things about Heather is she's uh, really big into inspiring others and giving away a lot of the knowledge that she's acquired through starting her own business. So be on the lookout for um, upcoming events and web series and like stuff like that from Heather. They're definitely valuable and worth it. She's a, she's learned a ton about being an entrepreneur and especially in the outdoor industry. So she's a wealth of knowledge. This episode is really fun. Just She has a ton of personality. She's fun to talk to. So I think you guys will enjoy it. And, um, you know, I came across this, this couple verses, uh, you know, when thinking about this episode, I think they really encapsulate Heather really well. And, um, this is from Proverbs 31, um, starting in 14. She is like the ships of a merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. 
So I think you'll see when we get into this episode, and if you know anything about Heather, that those verses just are such a great fit for her. She's very wise, uh, very gracious, fun to talk to, great person, and a hard worker. So definitely check out Heather's Choice. Uh, again, use that that discount code for 15% off, Hunter's Quest. And hope you guys enjoy this episode, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Right, guys, welcome to the show. I'm here with my guest today, Heather Kelly from Heather's Choice. What's up, Heather? How you doing? I'm doing great. Just living the Alaskan dream right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I guess you guys are up there enjoying the uh, nice Alaskan summer weather, huh? Yep. It's time to clean out the freezer and get ready for all of the fishing and harvesting that we're going to do this summer. So yeah. Summer in Alaska is always like, that's why we live here. Like this is the time of year to be up here and it kind of makes up for the cold, dark winters. So yeah, it is flipping go time in my world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you were talking about you're doing a caribou hunt this, this fall. Is that right? Yeah. We're looking at August. We're going to head up towards Fairbanks and go with a group of people. And, you know, I haven't, I mean, I've hunted, but I haven't harvested that many animals myself, yeah. so I, I need to keep trying. I'm still very much on the novice side of things. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a journey. Um, yeah, we were just yeah. talking about offline. I was up there uh, last August, and I'll be up there again in August. And yeah, it's so magical up there. I'm going to try to get up there every year I can. Yep, do it. There's so many opportunities. It's kind of mind-boggling. Yeah, I'd like to try to... Um, actually, I scheduled an extra day in... Um, in Anchorage before I fly into Kodiak. So, cause there's another guy up there that I want to um, rendezvous with and I'm hoping to get some time to come by and see your place. Yeah. You'll come and see it. Cause it's literally, I think we're within two miles of the airport. Okay. So cool. we'll come scoop you up and put a hairnet uh, on you and put you to work. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I scheduled an extra day in there so I could, uh, have you heard of this guy called Scott Luber before? Yeah. You yeah, know him? Scott's, he's awesome. He's a BHA guy and he has some incredible stories about sheep hunting and yeah. he's not too far from us as far as our neighborhood. So yeah, okay. he'll be in good company. All right, cool. <laughs> so I did a podcast with him a couple weeks ago. It's not released yet. Um, so be on the lookout for that. But um, just for those listening, he's killed a doll sheep on every range in Alaska all by walk-in, which is like an unbelievably epic feat. And so. he has like 25 kids and <laughs> on top <laughs> yeah. of the whole thing. <laughs> which is another amazing feat. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I've been excited to talk to you because um, we've had some interactions, you know, on social media and also you're doing your founder speaker series, which I'm a part of, which is really cool. I want to talk about that a little bit, but uh, I haven't really got a chance to actually talk to you much, so it's it's good to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for making the time for the invite. Podcasting is it's really funny. Like the businesses that I mentor, a lot of them have just asked me, like, you know, what's been the most effective form of marketing for your business? And I'm like, hands down, podcasting. Mm. But then it's like well, how do you get on to podcasts? And it's like this big mysterious thing. And for whatever reason, like, I just think I've done enough interviews now yeah. that like inquiries start to flow in at like a healthy trickle. And it is by far 
the easiest way for people to get to know you yeah. to like understand your story and to just really kind of understand the why behind your business. And I feel like it is just the most effective form of marketing. If you have a brand. Yeah. <laughs> and I you're one of the cool of. kids. So, Oh yeah. Super cool. <laughs> no, <laughs> the but, cool kid who can't wake up before 8am. It's like 830 here and I'm still like rubbing the sleep out of my eyes. <laughs> no, thanks for getting up early. Like we are, we are the furthest apart. You can basically be and still be in America. So I'm all the way on the East Coast. So I'm like literally yeah. 30 minutes from the Atlantic Ocean. Oh my gosh, it's yeah. freaking crazy. So anyway, um, yeah, tell me what, what you've been up to lately just besides smoking fish and playing your caribou hunt. Yeah, what have I been up to? So this year, I started the year off with a 30-day Grand Canyon trip in February. So that nice. was kind of like my awesome start to the year the rafting trip mm-hmm. nice. yeah we did 280 some odd miles in 30 days so we're going real slow <laughs> <laughs> that's cool uh, but yeah i try to get away for like a river trip each year and then now being back in alaska so what march april now into may it's basically been three months of just full-on business mm. we at heather's choice have a really great team right now and part of the reason why we have a great team is because we've spent a lot of time with them going through our entire business budget. We have quarterly meetings where we outline really clear objectives for every team member. Mm -hmm. And by going through that budget at the beginning of the year and showing everybody what our revenue channels are, where all of our expenses are going, how much money we're going to make at the end of the year if we follow our plan, it's just created this dynamic where we have a group of people who are really bought into the vision, I mm. think, and are just really committed to sticking with the plan and doing a good job. And I think with that, it just like, I have a lot of responsibility to be the leader yeah. and to continue to make sure that everybody has what they need. And a really big part of that for me is like constantly looking 500 yards downstream mm -hmm. to make sure that I'm not going to run out of cash or we have what we need to keep operating. Our like big relationships are still doing good. We're taking care of our vendors and I should know like what's the next step. Yeah. And so to like what I'm up to these days, it's really a lot of strategic planning of where are we going? How mm. are we going to get there? Who do I want on the bus? how much capital is it going to take? And it's, it kind of makes my brain hurt sometimes because <laughs> yeah. I'm always learning new things. Uh, but yeah, with my business, Heather's Choice, we're about to take, I hope we're about to take a really, really, really big step, like a little too big for our britches step. <laughs> and the best kind. I know just like get this freaking show on the road, like business is good and it could be 10 times better. So yeah. how do we put ourselves in position to take advantage of that opportunity? Nice. Are you more of a detail person or do you like that kind of big picture stuff more? Oh God, that's a hilarious question. <laughs> I am all like hand waving big picture. Yeah. And then my boyfriend, Brad is the, the how, the why, the when, <laughs> <laughs> Just, 
all the details like he without him like none of our operations would be possible because i'm not the person who's yeah. gonna dive in and like fix the band sealer when it goes down but <laughs> he does all that nice it's, <laughs> it's good to have a partner that complements your strengths yep. Um, yep, yep yep i was listening to your podcast the other day and you're talking about um you know breaking stuff up into three-month chunks and I really like that. It's just like something digestible. Okay, what can I get done in the next three months? And that helped me out setting some short-term goals. That's that's good stuff. Heck yeah. It's been so helpful for our team to do that for them. And just to, you know, like, of course, they have to show up and do their day-to-day stuff. You know, most of our team is in production. So they're literally, you know, chopping vegetables, dehydrating food, packing food, labeling bags, all of that. But then to also give them like three really tangible projects that they can work on over those three months, like you definitely see the kids who are obviously straight A students, you know, (laughs) who show up with like their little binder and their report and it's like, okay, so here's what I did in the last three months and it's really cute. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Um, So I I do want to give you a little bit of context. Uh, There's a lot of stuff I want to jump into, but just briefly, um, what's, what's kind of your story, you know, what's the story behind Heather's choice, just so people know who maybe haven't heard of it or don't know what we're talking about. Totally. So I was born and raised here in Alaska. Uh, I left for college, left to pursue my raft guiding career for a while. And really, as I started to get into more and more river trips, I realized that there wasn't necessarily the quality of food that I wanted to be taking with me, specifically pack rafting. And I have a degree in sports nutrition and a professional certification in eating psychology. So like Mm. food is my thing. And just realizing going to the store and trying to buy anything that was gluten-free, anything dairy-free, grain-free, you know, whatever, whatever I was looking for, something without a bunch of preservatives and refined sugars. Like it just didn't exist seven years ago, seven, eight, nine, 10 years ago. So in 2014, after I'd probably spent the better part of four years, just playing with a little home dehydrator, I actually had a buddy of mine who saw my excitement and enthusiasm for dehydrated food and I was literally just like making this stuff and giving it away to people because yeah. I was just so excited. And this buddy of mine was just like, what is it going to take for you to turn this into a business? You know, he saw my enthusiasm. He saw that the product was good, even though it was in like these little Mylar bags that I'd bought off of Amazon with handwritten oh, yeah. labels yep. and a metric ton of packing tape. Like <laughs> I didn't even have a label printer at that time. And so this buddy of mine basically helped me get set up. And this was the summer of 2014. And I basically just to start started dehydrating and selling food through a Shopify website. And that was almost seven years ago. And my gosh, are things different now? (laughs) So we, we now have our own dedicated production facility that employs about 10 people here in Anchorage. Uh, It was a really bumpy road to get to this point, but flash forward to now. We have just add hot water meals in a bag. So we do breakfast and dinners. We also have packaroons, which are a coconut macaroon for your backpack. And that gives us about 18 SKUs that we make all ourselves in-house and then distribute all across the country. So again, we have an e-commerce site. We work with 
big retail partners like REI and Sportsman's Warehouse. We have about a hundred independent retailers. And then we're also on Guidefitter and Amazon. So we've created this, you know, fairly robust business yeah. and we get to do everything from right here in Alaska, which is highly uh, unconventional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but that's really kind of baked into our DNA is like, we're just kind of scrappy and just get stuff done. Yeah. <laughs> And that's awesome. And like you said, um, I love what you said about how you were so just passionate about it. You were just like giving stuff away at first and stuff. And like, I feel like that's how like really good businesses start is like, you're just doing it because you love it. You know, it's not like, how can I make money today? You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, you've got to, because as we've been learning about in the, the founder speaker series, like it's hard to make a buck in the early days. And they're, you're constantly reinvesting back into your business to buy the next piece of equipment or get the next round of packaging or the next round of product. I mean, I think in a service-based business, it can be a different story and you can get up and running and start making some money fairly quickly, but especially with product businesses, so long as they are growing, you are going to be looking for additional capital. And essentially that's kind of, the spot I found myself in is just always feeding this thing and the, the drive and the passion and the will to keep going is, is bigger than me, right? Like this isn't about me making a buck. I could make way better money doing something else. (laughs) It's, it's a lot more of like, okay, I started this and you know, winners don't quit and quitters never win. Like I'm just hell bent on taking it as far as I possibly can, knowing that I have a high, like small businesses have a high rate of failure. So like the odds are stacked against us, but the potential positive outcomes that we're already getting with our customers and our employees and all of our retail partners and all of that, like all of that is creating good. And then for this business to succeed, we'll create more good in the world of people having good quality food when they go on trips or to help bolster the outdoor economy here in Alaska to create really good jobs. Like it's really those things that now keep me going is realizing that this is much bigger than Heather and her little dehydrator. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And real quick, you can, you can let that thing go if you don't want to hold it. Oh, I will hold it because otherwise it'll rub on the zipper and you'll hear, I've, yeah, you'll hear this like scratching and it'll drive you nuts. Okay, good. (laughs) Well, yeah, I love, I love that, that passion. And like, uh, I feel like, well, I've been reading too. Robbie in the speaker series mentioned a book called The Dip. I don't know if you read it, but I got it on Audible. It's a quick little book. And it talks about that, how, you know, at first you have this like, oh, yay, new thing building. And then there's like that of just like you got to just grind through and like most people quit in that grind through phase, which can be in anything with fitness or like a business or a new hobby. Um, and it's the people who like just decide to like, I'm not going to quit in that dip that make it out on the other side. And so like if you're not passionate about it, you're not going to be able to like stick it out when it gets crappy in the middle, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we saw that with COVID that there was probably a lot of people who just really decided like, you know, I'm not passionate enough about this to like really stick it out through things getting super hard. 
And, you know, COVID was a great opportunity for people to kind of revisit their values and what they really want to be doing. So I feel like this past year has really shook things up for people where we're in the outdoor space. And right now the outdoors is a great place to be in the world of business. And so we've been super fortunate, you know, throughout the entirety of the seven year journey, but especially right now, like we're, we've really found ourselves in a good position because mm-hmm. we did just survive a global pandemic as a business and we're doing better than ever. So yeah. stick it out, people. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And like one thing like that I really admire about you is like um, you're passionate about like business in general and like kind of entrepreneurship and helping others like to get there, which is, I think, one of the things that sparked this founder speaker series, which I've already learned so much through, um, but it's, and I feel like I can't quite put my finger on it, but like there's some sort of interplay between like outdoor adventure type people and like entrepreneurship. Do you get that? I think so. I know for a fact, like one of my business mentors, Dan, what we've always talked about is college athletes make some of the best employees. And so I don't know if there's, if that kind of bleeds over to people who have had a background in athletics. Like, I don't know what your athletic background is, but for me, it was, you know, growing up as kind of a snowboard brat and rock climber to then I rode crew for four years at a high level, won our third, fourth, fifth, and sixth national championship. And like, that was freaking hard. And then from there, I dove into the world of CrossFit and mm-hmm. now like I'm more of a recreationalist, but just even that experience of high level athletics, I feel like it's just sort of this like type A experience that you get into the world of entrepreneurship and you're like, oh, this is my arena. Things are really hard. I have to be super mentally tough. And yeah. like, there's a little bit of competition and like, it just spins your wheels the right way. So I'm right there with you that I think there is some sort of interplay between athletics or, you know, being an outdoors man or woman and running your own business and kind of taking that risk and having this sense of adventure with your every day. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's been a journey for me because, um, and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast, kind of the hunting culture that I sort of grew up in is like Southeastern deer hunting, you know, spending most of your time sitting basically. And the most, the most exercise you do is like 300 yard walk from the truck and climb up a tree stand. Um, so like when I discovered mountain hunting and backcountry hunting, it's like this whole new world. Like, so like, like if you told me two years ago, I'd be doing a pod, a hunting podcast talking about nutrition. I'd be like, what? You know what I mean? It's just amazing. (laughs) It's freaking awesome. I'm glad you're doing it too, because nutrition is such a, I think an overlooked piece of the puzzle in our whole journey. And I will tell you that again, for, for me growing up, I was gifted with a mom who fed us like smoked salmon and peas and potatoes. And like, I just ate really healthy growing up. And that was my reality. Then going to college and eating skim milk and cereal and donuts and like whatever else was in the dining hall. I was so freaking sick with autoimmune conditions. Mm. I looked like a leper. I was just covered in psoriasis and I had no idea why. 
And it was really food that allowed me to kind of get in touch with healing my gut and like naturally healing this Mm. autoimmune condition that I had all of a sudden I performed better. Like I leaned out in college because I was exercising 30 hours a week, but also eating really good. And so then it was really interesting to leave the world of athletics to go to the world of CrossFit where everybody talks about food, but it's more from a perspective of like, how ripped can I be? Like what's going to get me six pack abs. And then to bring all of this nutrition knowledge to the world of backcountry pursuits, it was like, wow, these people are 15 years behind, (laughs) you know, like they're not talking about macronutrient balancing or they're not even considering leaky gut or really there's just no awareness of, and this isn't fair to say, but like there is a limited awareness of the power of good quality nutrition and how that affects you on a systemic level rather than just thinking about getting in enough calories to get the job done, if that makes sense. No, totally. I mean, I, you know, I like nutrition was never on my radar. And of course, um, you know, two, two and a half years ago, I was 250 pounds, which I'm 175 now. Um, and just felt like garbage had no energy. Um, and then kind of through this, this journey into backcountry hunting in this Alaska trip, like, um, I've kind of become like a nutrition nerd and kind of like really into it. So it's like, and I just feel like so much better. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I think so many people can, can benefit from this conversation this, you know, in the hunting community, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a big one. And I feel like that's maybe something if I was reflecting on kind of like where, what I've done with Heather's choice, as far as educating people on the why of what we do. Like, I think I've kind of fallen flat on my face and not spent enough time educating people on safe starches, high quality proteins, omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acid ratios. Like there's a lot of nutrition geekiness that has gone into the development of Heather's choice products because of my background. Yeah. But to like, it takes a concerted effort that I want to do a better job of, which is bringing that all to the forefront of like, Hey, like the food you eat all year round Mm -hmm. impacts your ability to perform the way you want to on these big epic trips. And again, I just feel like, especially in the athletic community in general, there's still such an emphasis on a bunch of carbohydrates that are easily digestible and maybe some protein here and there and low fat. And I'm like, yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> like, like, no, that, no, no, that no. Food pyramid you like learn about in schools. Like what? <laughs> totally, yeah. totally, totally. And I think that even if you were to get people and maybe you can share this experience of your journey, I don't know if you did this, but if you can get people to eat enough flipping protein at every meal, they will feel so much better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's actually just like, that one change. It, it can be hard to even hit that like macro goal of protein. Like you got to get creative. I'm like, how can I cram some more protein in me? You know, <laughs> but totally. Um, it's such a game changer because I mean, I started doing CrossFit for about a year and didn't really see any in terms of weight loss results. You know, I was getting stronger and stuff. But when I started tracking what I was eating and really being, Con, like aware of that 
they just shed off. I lost like 35 pounds in a couple months. Um, totally. Which is freaking incredible, by the way. Like, I can't imagine you 75 pounds oh, heavier. Dude, I'll show you a gross <laughs> picture if you want. Um, yeah. And, and like, especially if you're going to be in the mountains, I mean, you got to be on the top of your game, like performing optimally, optimally on every level or you're just not going to have the best experience. Which I guess if I can ask you a question, is it, this is kind of similar, I think, to the dip. No way. Yeah. What a freaking difference. I'm showing here a picture right now. It's disgusting. No, <laughs> Maybe it's I'll post impressive. it. You yeah. should post that shit. That's awesome. I've been waiting for the right I, time to post that. Maybe this is it. This is it. Because I wonder if it's similar to the book that you talked about of, you know, in the beginning, weight's just coming off of you. And you're like, woohoo, like I'm a rock star. But then when you want to get to that level of six to 10% leanness, I imagine there was a dip there where you're like, oh, yeah. I got to try harder at this. Yeah. Like it's not just flying off of me. So again, I don't know if that was your experience, no, totally. but I imagine. Totally. The dip is definitely there um, for sure. Um, so with that being said, you know, um, what what's your kind of day-to-day like in terms of fitness routine or, or nutrition, that kind of stuff, you know, in a nutshell? Oh, that's a great question. Well, on the days when I'm being just a freaking boss and <laughs> like, so before I dive into that, I will just say that for anybody listening, I think it's really important to look at like, what are your maybe three things, right? Like business relationship, home life. Like those are potentially my top three right now where historically maybe it would have been health and fitness, adventure and making money, like sure. whatever it was. Yeah. And so right now I'm just prefacing all of this because I have days where I, you know, have water, coffee, and then it gets to be noon and I realize I haven't eaten anything and I'm just like, you know, <laughs> super yeah. angry. Um, I will always, always, always though, like my meals are always balanced of some sort of animal protein, whatever that might be, vegetables, good quality fats. Right now, I definitely find myself reaching for more dense carbohydrates, whether it's potatoes or sweet potatoes or rice or gluten-free bread, whatever, oh, where in years potatoes. past, oh my gosh, yeah, so like good. so freaking good. In years past, I wouldn't have touched a grain to save my life because I was hardcore paleo. Right. On the days when I feel my best, you know, Brad and I will have, again, balanced meals of eggs and ham and spinach and gluten-free English muffins. And like, it's a real legit meal. And then repeat for lunch and dinner. We are so fortunate living in Alaska that, again, last night we had halibut and rockfish. The night before we had moose burgers. Like, we're, nice. we're just super fortunate in yeah. that department. And it's also interesting with my boyfriend, Brad, who's, you know, thin as can be. And it was just like born with a six pack, <laughs> like to me, for me to like get him enough food for every day, like that focus again on protein and good quality fats is critical because someone like him can incinerate carbohydrates, but then he feels awful. Mm. So I feel like that dedication to balanced meals of protein, good quality animal proteins, healthy fats, and dense carbohydrates from fruits, vegetables, and some gluten-free options 
that sort of keeps both of us yeah. <laughs> operating in the world and keeps us from, you know, getting hangry and getting snippy at each other because totally. you don't need that. <laughs> totally. So yeah, I think right now my, my nutrition plan is, uh, it feels almost lackadaisical, but there's kind of a foundation there that I don't really stray from. Sure. And then from a fitness standpoint, my gosh, again, on a good week, I'm going to the gym five days a week and just focusing on lifting weights. Cause especially as women, like you lose muscle mass so quickly mm. as you get into your thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties that you have to be really, really focused on that, uh, on a week when, you know, I'm not making the time for fitness. Uh, I'm probably walking the dog. (laughs) (laughs) The extent of it. Got to move at least. But yeah, I love what you said about like clearly defining your goals because like if you know like, okay, I need to cut like serious fat, that's going to look very different from, you know, how I eat now, which is very healthy and I focus on whole foods and, and stuff like that but I'm not like super worried about every calorie and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think if you're going to do that's where, I don't know. Some people are superhuman and they can do all the things at once. I personally cannot, I can't. And I think about this often, like if I'm at work at the Heather's choice kitchen and I need to stay late for whatever reason, it's really easy for me to say, this is my priority. Like, building this business is my priority. I'm going to stay late and skip the gym and not give myself a really hard time about it because I'm intentional that this is the priority in this season of my life rather than beating myself up and being like, Oh gosh, I mean, you work till eight, but you still could have gone to the gym. And it's like, Nope, that's not the priority right now in this season. And someday it could be, but I just think that's kind of an important point for the listeners to just get really intentional about what the priority is in this season of your life and then cut yourself some freaking slack because I don't believe that we can operate at a hundred percent in every area of our life. And you know, (laughs) if you get to a place where you have a baseline of fitness, um, you know, whereas you may need to be super disciplined about going to the gym like every day or five days a week or whatever, when it's like, okay, time to cut. Um, when you have a baseline of fitness, you can give yourself a little more slack. So that's kind of speaks to living in a way that you're always kind of on some level ready, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Which comes back to eating good, healthy food all year round. Yeah. And again, I really try to not preach the nutrition stuff because, you know, it's kind of a sensitive subject for people, right? Yeah. Like you don't want to get all up in somebody's business about what they eat. But I will say that someone dedicating the time to read a book like, uh, the primal blueprint or wired to eat by Rob Wolf or just a few of those guys, like it will change your life. If you actually try some of that stuff on for size. And like, if you start, I mean like the first week or weeks might be really hard, like not eating bread or whatever, or like not eating a bunch of sugar, but like you will get to a point where your body establishes a new baseline and like, you don't really miss that stuff, which is amazing. Yeah. I still, I'm blown away by you and your experience because I feel like I've been between 140 and 165 and that's like a wide range. I've probably been between like 158 and 163 for like 
seven years. So I can't <laughs> imagine your 75 pound swing. That's like yeah. outside of my reality of, I was, can't imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was intense. The whole 75 pound swing took, it was a two year process. So I went from like 250 down to like 200 and like eight months or a year. And then I like kind of gained back to like 215. And then I booked this Alaska trip and I was like, all right, let's go. And then I went down to totally. 175. So, but anyway, it was a process and it's not something that, you know, overnight happens at all. Um, but uh, it, I'm definitely feel much better now and more confident and in everything. Was the motivation strictly hunting or was it just like, you know what? Well, <laughs> I'm tired of feeling tired. <laughs> yeah. I mean, first motivation was like, I can feel the fat rolls on my back when I'm driving in my car and like, I'm embarrassed to take my shirt off in front of my own wife. <laughs> and, uh, I'm just like, feel like a slob literally. Um, and that was the first motivation. And then I kind of started, you know, um, on my own, um, a friend of mine was writing me some programming and, um, and starting to watch what I was eating. Um, and then that was, you know, successful. Like I said, then I kind of got a little slack and then I said, okay, I got and fell into that rut of like, all right, hit the gym, like get some buys and do some bench and leave kind of thing, you know? And so I was like, I need something like else. So that's when I joined a CrossFit gym and, um, really loved the community and, you know, just showing up and doing something different every day and being like, Hey, this is what you're doing and not having to worry about coming up with it on my own. And, um, and then, yeah, really. And then, I mean, it was a combination of that. And then, um, I booked this trip to Alaska and my hunting partner is former Naval special warfare. So he's like in top shape. And I was like, dude, if I'm going to keep up with this guy, like this <laughs> is going to be intense. So I was like, I started training really hard. So, you're that like, kind this of a, is a, a survival thing now. This is self-preservation at <laughs> yeah. its finest. <laughs> yeah. Because like at first he was like trying to sell me on the trip. He's like, oh, you know, it won't be that bad. And I'm like, I start getting into like, I'm like, dude, I'm going to have like a week's worth of camp and food on my back and we're going to be in the mountains and he's in like excellent shape. And I was like, this is not going to be easy. <laughs> and totally. So, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't take his word for it and just kind of cruise into it. Oh my gosh. I think it's awesome. And again, I think that for a lot of people, it's maybe hard to find that true authentic motivation. Kind of like we talked about with business of just having a passion for something that's so strong that you just can't not do it. And yeah. I think similarly with health and fitness, you got to have a real catalyst to get your ass in gear and like actually make the changes because i think we most of us know what to do yeah. it's just whether or not we actually do it <laughs> yeah and having a goal that you like actually want to do like because i knew that hunt was going to be hard but i could i was like so excited it wasn't like i was like oh i have to go do this in six months i got it you know it was like yes i want to crush it in six months you know i can't wait you know it was like a goal that i wanted to do i think that's a big yeah. deal which I don't know if I can ask you this and sorry, I'm asking you all the questions, but no, I good. wonder, cause you have a really strong faith and just backing up a second. I believe in my experience, when I have that excitement and that enthusiasm for something, it almost feels divinely guided. Oh, totally. It almost feels like I'm being like laser beamed toward it and nothing's going to get in my way. Like yeah. that's how I feel about this next step with Heather's choice of 
it's a really big leap into a much larger production facility and it's going to be infinitely expensive. And I have no idea how it's going to happen, but in my mind, it's, it's crystal clear that this is coming into my reality and this is what's going to happen. And it's this or something better. Yeah. And I just wonder for you, what your experience is from kind of a faith-based perspective. Do you find yourself feel like actually literally feeling drawn to something of like, wow, I went through this health and fitness journey. And now on the other side of it, I have this gift I can give back to the world. And that's why this all happened. A hundred percent. I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, you know, Jesus said, I came to bring you life and life to the full. Right. And so a lot of people think that like faith or Christianity or whatever is like, oh, and I can't do anything fun anymore or whatever. (laughs) But (laughs) and like I even in my own faith journey, because of the kind of the faith I grew up in, I somehow subconsciously got to this place where I believed that if if there was something I wanted to do, it automatically was not from God. Like, because this theology of, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm uh, this, I'm bad, blah, 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 was so beat into me that like, and I didn't even realize I had this in my brain, but I got to the point where I was literally like, oh, if I want to do it, probably it's God doesn't want me to do it because I want to do it, right? But that is so wrong. Like God is a loving father and he wants us to live in our purpose. He wants us to have full, enjoyable, awesome lives. And so I totally believe that, um, you know, when you have a passion for something, you know, I have a passion for hunting. God, I believe God made me that way. You have a passion for food. I believe God put that in you. Um, and you know, if you just decide to go with it, even though it might be scary sometimes and step out in faith, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. I witnessed that a lot with, again, my boyfriend, Brad, I wasn't raised in a highly religious family, but watching him coming from his background, which was, you know, just, it's kind of that similar perspective of just Mm -hmm. like, you're not deserving and you have to earn everything. And that inherent lack of deservability for the things that you want and desire, that's a, a real tough nut to crack. And I feel like Brad and I have had to really work through that just in our experience of building Heather's choice when these really good things come our direction. And I think immediately for him, there's this sense of like, I don't deserve this. And I'm like, what? We've been working our tails off for this. Like, why wouldn't we deserve this? Why don't we deserve this and more? And it's been a really incredible journey for me in my relationship with him to not only witness his lack of deservability because of his upbringing, but then also witnessing it in myself of like, oh, I still have a ton of blocks around what I deserve, what I'm worthy of. Is it a friendly universe? Like, does God shine a light on us or is God constantly reprimanding us for our actions and our thoughts and like, we're just constantly having to prove ourselves and those just being aware of that perspective you have on life, I think really kind of sets you up for success or failure in a lot of your pursuits. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a huge, a huge failing on the part of the church. Um, which is why I like the, the term spirituality better than religion, because so many people get hurt by the church. Um, 
see the hypocrisy or the the bad theology like that, like that God is sitting on a throne waiting to smack you with a lightning bolt if you screw up, which is totally uh, from Greek paganism. That's Zeus. Right. That's, that's not the Christian God. Um, it, it's and so people get hurt by the church and then they think, oh, well, God hurt me. But God didn't hurt you. The people who are religion, which is the people that Jesus argued with the most, um, anything having to do with man or set up or built by man is going to be flawed and it's going to have problems and there's going to be jealousies and greed and all that stuff. And, and that can mess you up. If you can separate God from religion and realize, like I said, God's a good father. He wants you to live an awesome, fulfilled, happy, cool life. He wants you to walk in your passions. Um, you can totally just have a better life and you know, you are worthy, you know? Yeah. And what a different perspective to take. And again, I'm still working through this stuff every single day for myself of waking up and asking that question of, okay, is it a friendly universe or is somebody out to get me? Right. Well, we do have an enemy, but, (laughs) but I believe, you know, if you have God, you know, he's more powerful than our enemy. Totally. And I, it's just been a really interesting journey for me to have to think through that stuff on the daily and to try to change those limiting beliefs of man, like not being deserving, uh, having to work obscenely hard to get what I want. Like, what if it gets to be easy? What if it gets to flow naturally? What if things are always working out in my favor. And the thing that I wanted that I didn't get is because there's something better that I don't even realize is available to me yet. And I believe that that perspective and that constant realignment with like, okay, I'm safe. The universe is always conspiring for me, not against me. I think that has kept me in the game with Heather's choice as long as it's been. Because otherwise, if I had the perspective that everything sucks and (laughs) the cards are stacked against me, I would have quit a long time ago. Yeah. And that's, it's kind of like, you know, the, like the law of attraction, which is really a biblical concept that some people have taken God out of. But, um, I totally agree with that. Yep. I've got, I've got, I've had a dedicated vision board since my college days. Cause I watched the secret probably my sophomore year of college. And I had, a really hard year just kind of went a little too nuts on my health and fitness journey and found myself pretty freaking sick mm. and just knew like I wanted nothing more to be in that varsity eight boat. And that was like my sole focus. My one priority in life was just make that top boat. And I remember watching the secret and then immediately afterward, the women's us varsity won the olympics and i watched that race and just sobbed like it was so visceral for me how badly i wanted to attain that goal and so i built my little vision board in my little teeny tiny apartment back in bellingham and it really represented what i was going for which was making that varsity boat and so i think i gained 15 pounds that year and got my but in that varsity eight boat and freaking stayed there because <laughs> I was 15 pounds so of muscle, clear. right? Ah, yeah, probably both. But yeah, again, like that's awesome, especially in a sport like crew, like 
you want to be as strong as humanly possible. Yeah. Same with CrossFit. You want to be just a freaking house of a person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that worked out well for me. But nice. that law of attraction, whatever, like it gets such a bad rap. But for me, like that shit works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Well, I, dude, I'm so glad that you brought that up because I, I did want to kind of segue a little bit because, you know, people talk a lot about, um, and obviously recovery physically on one of these grueling backcountry trips is huge. And I think, you know, Heather's choice foods are designed to, to help you recover faster and better and, and keep it from inflammation and all that stuff. But like, um, I know I've heard you talk a little bit about it. I just want to expand on it a little bit, like how also like a meal, like a good meal in the backcountry is good for like your psyche and like I maybe would pose the question to you like maybe even like spiritually is it good for you totally 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 so I believe that yes food has a profound impact not only on our ability to build muscle and to sustain the muscle that we have it also has a huge impact on our ability to recover so something like proteins you know the reason that they are essential is because if you're not taking them in, you're not actually putting new protein in the system, your body has to break down its own proteins to sort of like recycle them to give you the amino acids you need in order to fully recover. And so that's where people get into a lot of trouble with dieting is they start to cut things like meat or uh, eggs and things like that because they're trying to save on calories but then their body is in this catabolic state because you're working out super hard, you're not eating enough, and your body is like, well, you know what's really expensive? Muscle. Muscle is like really calorically expensive. So let's break that stuff down, use that to fuel this whole system. But then people end up not recovering from their workouts and they're too freaking sore to go back and yeah. they're not getting any more tone because they're not building any new muscle mass and the whole system just breaks. So obviously I have strong feelings about nutrition being critical for our health and well-being. And then additionally, I think that food contains an even more like ethereal property, which is that sense of nourishment, right? Like we pop out of the womb, we cry, we're fed and we're like, ah, everything's good in the world. And that is built in to our primal brain that, you know, food equals nourishment equals safety equals love. And so I do believe that even on these big epic backcountry trips to take a moment to sit down, boil water, like get into more of a parasympathetic state. I'm probably screwing this up. I always get sympathetic no, and parasympathetic right. mixed up. So you get into this parasympathetic state, which yeah. is rest and digest rather than being sympathetic, which is that fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And that shift from fight or flight to rest and digest is five deep breaths away at any given moment. Like yeah. you and I can just take a deep breath and shift our nervous system so when we're in those really intense, awesome, challenging circumstances, like mountain hunting in Alaska, 
to be able to take those deep breaths, sit down, eat some food and really get yourself into that parasympathetic state, that's where your recovery actually happens, Mm. right? We don't recover and rebuild when we're in a fight or flight mode. Your body's just like, PCO, like that blood needs to go to our arms and legs so we can fight or flee. Like blood is not flowing to our digestive system so that we can digest our fruit loops that we just ate. (laughs) So yeah, I think it's all of it. And again, I don't feel like we talk about this enough within the business of Heather's choice of just the power of food to bring people together, to shift our nervous system and to really contribute to our overall health for a lifetime. And I believe that so freaking deeply, which is again, why I think that the whole mission of building Heather's choice, sure. We make dehydrated food for the backcountry, but it's bigger than that. It's so much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're, when you're talking, like it reminded me, there's this, um, there's a story in the old Testament where the, the prophet Elijah is running for his life. And he's like, this queen is trying to kill him. And he just like gives up. He just like, he's depressed and he wants to die. And he's just laying there basically giving up. And God sends an angel and, you know, the angel doesn't like zap him with like a, like a lightsaber energy bolt or something. He cooks him like a, a loaf of bread. The way God gets him back on his feet is like, gives him some food and some water. He's like, all right, eat awesome. that, chill. And let's start again. <laughs> So it's totally I mean, there's a totally a link there. Like we I said this before in the podcast, we are triune beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. And we in the West compartmentalize them too much, uh, I think, but like there's a much stronger tie than we know between our mind, our spirit, and our body. Yep. Yeah. I am I'm right there with you and that is a huge part of the entrepreneurial journey too, is staying in touch with your, your spirit and like, how am I doing here? Or am I just grinding and yeah. just in the hustle and just going, going, going and abandoning my, my spirit, my body in pursuit of this goal where I feel like we can be a lot more effective when we do continue to take care of this human vessel that we're in totally. and we continue to constantly re-navigate to what we're being drawn to, you know, what does our spirit need? And I think even just that simple question, it's something I write in my journal all the time, which is what do I need right now Mm. to just ask that question and sort of take an inventory of, I need a workout or I need a walk or I need more sleep or I need some time with Brad, like whatever it is, just giving myself the opportunity to actually give myself what I need so that there is this sense of resilience in your everyday. Totally. Otherwise, if you're just constantly layering it on more, 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 more stress, then the link breaks and you got to start all over again. Yeah. Right. So I, I think people probably ask you all the time how you feed and fuel your body. But I want to know, how does Heather feed her spirit? Ah. Uh, let's see. I'm like looking around my, my (laughs) lavender colored office here. And like, there's a lot going on in terms of just feeding my spirit. So I spend a lot of time again, updating my vision board. And for me, that is such a crystal clear roadmap of what I'm working towards, whether it's financially or it's with the business or 
Brad and I just bought a home in the last year and a half. So like, we're pretty hyper-focused on this. Uh, I spend a lot of time learning about human design, which is, you know, a, a topic for another day, but it's really just kind of energetically getting aligned with the gifts that you were born with. And yeah, again, another topic for another yeah. day. Uh, I don't go anywhere without a journal. So nice. journaling is definitely my place to just brain dump and I don't keep them. They're just like a place where things live. And when I'm done with them, they go away because hmm. I am uh, definitely a minimalist, but like borderline nuts about it. <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I'm constantly in this like purging phase of like, okay, get rid of this, get rid of this, That's like good. keep things nice and tidy. Uh, the other thing that I feel like is really important to me right now is just a lot of reading. And a lot of the things that I'm reading are around manifestation, the law of attraction, building wealth, and just really being focused on like, okay, what, what are the thoughts that I'm having or what are the thoughts that are on repeat and are they serving me? Mm. Or is it time to like, get the shovel out and like dig out those old beliefs and get rid of them and replace them with new ones. And then the last thing that, you know, spiritually really helps me is I do have Oracle decks, which are just like these really beautiful cards. Like I have a spirit animal Oracle deck and there are literally times when I'm trying to make really big business decisions and I feel really confused and lost. And like, I don't know which way to go. And something as simple as like, sitting down with my journal, kind of creating the the ambiance with candles or sage or whatever, and just asking the question and opening up one of these Oracle decks and just seeing what comes up. Not because it's going to say like, here you go, Heather, the answer is yes. Like it's not a magic eight ball, but it is an opportunity for me to just get quiet enough hmm. to ask the question and to actually receive some guidance. And I imagine that that's really similar with prayer, or, uh, meditation or anything else. But for me, that is an action I can take to create space to really ask the question and then be open to receive some guidance. Yeah. Yeah. Silence is, is very important. Something that's not practiced enough in modern religions or christianity i feel like but um man this has been really cool i want to check in are you okay on time do you need to get going let's see here what the heck time is it should be i have 30 more minutes okay sweet uh thank you for your time by the way um this has been really good um i'm trying to think where i want to go here next i got a bunch of stuff but i can't i gotta prioritize here um (laughs) Okay, I got maybe some more specific nutrition type questions, if you don't mind. I don't um, mind at all. Cool. So, first of all, just real quick, fat adaption. What is it, and how do we get there? Ooh, so fun. So, if we look back in just old times, let's like go back to the hunter gatherer days when that was actually like a real lifestyle for people. Right. Uh, there would be long stretches of time 
right? Where we would be kind of in famine. So if you were to plunk yourself in Alaska and let's say you're living here and in the summer months, there's abundance, right? There's salmon, there's blueberries, there's fiddleheads, there's critters, like there's, there's all sorts of stuff to eat. But then come the cold, dark winter months, you're really not going to ever preserve enough blueberries to get like a balanced (laughs) (laughs) macronutrient profile through those winter months. And so our hunter-gatherer ancestors, depending on where they were, you know, across the equator, would have times when they were primarily fueled by their own fat stores or the fat that they were eating from animals. And again, that depends on where you are in the world, because if you flash over to Japan and the Okinawans that had like those really delicious, dense sweet potatoes that were a big part of their diet, like they had more carbohydrates than, let's say, uh, the far north of Alaska. Right. Mm. And that's just it is what it is. But the whole point of this is that our bodies naturally should be a fat adapted. We should be able to operate off of our own fat stores. Mm -hmm. And so someone even like yourself now at 175 and whatever, 8% body fat, you still have hundreds of thousands of calories on board that ideally your, your body should be able to tap into and to utilize for energy. So even again, a lean individual has intramuscular fat, and a bit of fat probably around their trunk area that ideally should be utilized as energy. And where we get into trouble is in our current state of the world, the cheapest and easiest calories to get are typically carbohydrates. And the difference between carbohydrates, let's say simple carbohydrates and good quality fats is kind of like building a fire. So if I take a handful of sawdust and throw it on the fire, it burns up really quickly. Right. right? And those would be kind of our refined, simple calories or carbohydrates. Whereas if I was to put a whole freaking log on the fire, it's harder (laughs) to get it going. It burns a hell of a lot longer. And that's sort of the equivalent of eating a good quality fat, which I'm going to put into the category of like, saturated fat, Mm. which is so contradictory to everything we're taught in nutrition. But one of the best things that I heard from one of my nutrition gurus, Mark Sisson, is your body doesn't know the difference between the fat off of a grass-fed ribeye steak or the fat off of your own ass. Like it's all (laughs) saturated animal fat and it's all going to be metabolize similarly, but where people get really stuck is they have trained their bodies to always burn carbohydrates. Right. And so you end up on this roller coaster where you wake up in the morning, you have cereal for breakfast with low fat milk. So you're not having a bunch of protein. You're not really getting much fat, but you're getting a bunch of quick and dirty, easy to digest carbohydrates. Yeah. And you eat that at 7.30 in the morning. Some sawdust. By ni- some sawdust. And by 9.30, you're starting to kind of like scratch at your desk. And you're like, ah, <laughs> I'm hungry. Like, what's going on here? And so we end up in that pattern of constantly having to feed the fire with sawdust or simple carbohydrates because we're not giving ourselves enough good quality protein or fat 
that takes longer to digest and to assimilate and also burns longer and slower. And so to your point of the fat adaption, for a lot of us, we have to intentionally shift our diets in order to become fat adapted, which doesn't mean keto. It doesn't mean you only eat butter and heavy cream and all of that. It simply means that your body is able to sort of shift fuel sources and is able to either utilize the carbohydrates you ate in a meal. And let's say you eat something like a sweet potato that takes longer to break down. It's not sawdust. It's like a piece of kindling. Your body can use those carbohydrates for some of the like high output activities that you're going to do. And it can also store some of those carbohydrates as glycogen in your muscles. But then your body also has the ability to, again, flip-flop fuel sources and use the fat from the meal you just ate or the fat in your own body's reserves to use that as fuel to get you a few more miles down the road. Mm. And so for me, the fat adaption piece is is maybe not all encompassing because ideally our body should be adapted enough to use different fuel sources. Right. Like we don't want to break down proteins and use those as uh, energy because it's not a really efficient process and proteins have a different job, which is rebuilding and repairing and kind of being our structure. But ideally a healthy metabolism would have the ability to use both carbohydrates and fats as fuel. Yeah. So a couple months ago, I guess, or maybe a year or so ago, I kind of changed my nutrition timing to, I, I always work out in the morning, so I'll wake up and then I do use a pre-workout, which I want to ask you about next, but yeah. um, then I go and do my CrossFit wad fasted and I might even do like a little extra, like maybe a run or like a ruck after or something. And then right after I eat, like immediately I'll have like, um, some like oats, like whole, like stone cut, you know, oats with protein powder and peanut butter powder and just like, and just slam that. Um, so like working out fasted like that, is that a way to train your body to become fat adapted? Yep, absolutely. The only caveat, and I don't know how many female listeners you have, but this is again, where there's just a lot of nuances to nutrition. So for men where go back to hunter gatherer days, like as the hunter, you probably would have spent a significant amount of time getting up in the morning, going and looking for animals, yeah. being out there all day with maybe not a lot to eat. So men in particular do really, really well fasted and fasted training. And even if you're not to the point of training right now, and you're just dedicating a portion of time in every day where you are fasting, that does help your body get more fat adapted. For women, it is like the perfect storm of hormonal imbalances and way too much stress because we as women are supposed to carry a certain amount of body fat in order to bear children. Mm. And so when we try to do things like do fasted training and eat super low carb and get super ripped and jacked. Your body's like, okay, so the priority clearly is not bearing children. So like, let's just, <laughs> you know, get rid of this whole menstrual yeah. cycle thing. And like, we're going to focus on survival mode because 
again, your body is just so confused as far as like what it's supposed to be doing. So I just want to make that really, really, really clear that what works great for you may not be super advantageous for your female listeners. But that's fascinating. Like I just had this thought, but like what you're saying is correct me if I'm wrong on some level, like gender roles are baked into us physiologically as a species. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. Interesting. And I'm sure like people could come at me for saying that, but (laughs) if we just, again, like extract ourselves to more of just like that primal brain, like in just hunter gatherer days from a primal perspective, like women carried the children. Like that's, that doesn't say anything about like breadwinners and blah, 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 blah. It's just like, that's, that was the role that women played. And I think that we run into trouble when we try to just kind of blanket nutrition and fitness recommendations for both genders. And we don't take into consideration really sort of that genetic makeup that we have. And I also think that there's a really big push going on in the world for women to get more connected with that of the fact that we do have menstrual cycles. Like we're not the same 24 hours a day, seven days a week where as a man, like, yeah, you can get away with a lot and you're (laughs) like probably really, really, really steady. And for you to work out epically hard five days a week, 52 weeks a year fasted probably works great. (laughs) (laughs) Women are different. Yeah. Just FYI. <laughs> that's, that's fascinating. Um, uh, so many places we go from there. Really quick. Um, so does like slamming a pre-workout before you go, are you kind of screwing yourself with fat adaption or maybe half or? I think it really depends on what the pre-workout is. Yeah. So if it's just something like straight beta alanine and you're basically getting some amino acids right before, that's not going to screw with your fat adaption because what a pre-workout's like. 50 calories of amino acids again depending on which one you're taking usually yep so (laughs) my bigger concern as a former sports nutritionist with pre-workouts is really just being conscious again of what you're doing to your nervous system so you're already putting a lot of stress on the system by maybe not getting enough sleep and i'm just making a lot of assumptions here let's say you go to bed at midnight but you know that you want to go work out at 5am. So immediately you've compromised yourself by not getting enough sleep. And then you're going to pour a bunch of caffeine on the system, (laughs) even though you're already like bathed in cortisol because our cortisol is naturally higher in the morning. And then you're going to go into an environment, which I love, which is like a lot of heavy metal, a lot of weightlifting, (laughs) a lot of testosterone and like yelling and screaming and throwing stuff around. Right. Like, and although in my morning workout classes, like I'm usually either one or maybe two guys in there, the rest are ladies. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so whatever it is, like it's, it's just a lot for your nervous system. Yeah. And so I think that's where you can employ really small little things to check in with yourself and say, am I wired up for sound right now? Or am I actually like pretty calm, pretty good? Like just that little check-in on your nervous system to make sure that you're not 
bathing yourself in so much cortisol that it's actually being counterproductive because cortisol is inherently catabolic. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, another kind of nitty gritty type question. So, um, I know you and Heather's choice products use buckwheat in your breakfasts and I just kind of got into the dehydrating game and like, um, um, and making some of my own backpacking breakfasts and stuff like that, which you're really cool about helping people get into. Um, but most of my recipes start off with a base of oats and I don't go with like the instant oats or the one minute I get with like, you know, like regular full old fashioned oats or whatever. Um, are those still pretty good in terms of, um, glycemic index, you know, in terms of like, are they closer to sawdust? Or are they like wood chips? Or are they like, you know, pretty good logs? <laughs> you know, how, totally. how do they rank? I would put them, I mean, we could go and like look up the glycemic index, but I would put them in the category of like, you know, kindling is like a, a good sized piece of kindling because they are a complex carbohydrate, right? It's not just refined sugar. Yeah. Um, and to your point by having something even like rolled oats versus a smoothie of instant oats and protein powder. Like it is going to take your body a little bit longer to process and assimilate that stuff. Uh, the reason that I have not yet used oats for Heather's choice is because a lot of people do have issues with grains in mm. general and you know, whatever a lot is like, that's not a scientific term. But when I started Heather's Choice in 2014, again, I was so intently on the paleo bandwagon that no grains, no beans, uh, no legumes, like all that stuff was off the table. Where now in present day, my own nutrition strategy has shifted and evolved. Nutrition science as a whole has, has evolved and changed over the last seven years. Yeah. And so I think for people to enjoy a bowl of steel cut or rolled oats or even instant oats, depending on the situation overall, I think that that's fine. The question that I always have for people is really just how does it settle on your stomach? Right? Like some people don't do well with oats. Some people don't do well with buckwheat. So like it's all personal preference, yeah. but then additionally, just to really be aware of if you have a meal of rolled oats, protein powder, peanut butter powder, maybe some raisins, whatever. How many hours do you actually get out of that meal right. in comparison to having something like three whole eggs, two slices of bacon, a piece of gluten-free toast or a sweet potato and some spinach? Like it's just this little mini experiment for you to check in and see which one of those meals that might have the same macronutrient profile which one gives me the desired outcome? Yeah. And so for you, after a really hard, intense workout, something like instant oats and protein powder and like a teaspoon of peanut butter, like that's going to give you the post-workout nutrition that you might need to get some fast digesting proteins and carbohydrates and a little teeny tiny bit of fat because you don't want to slow down that uh, digestion and assimilation of those calories. But if you were my athlete, I would say, yeah, you know, here's your instant 
oats and your protein powder after your workout. But within two hours of that, you need to be sitting down and having yeah. like a real food. whole foods meal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's I, my thing is like, I mainly want to keep the, um, like I said, I don't want to eat a big meal early because it's usually early, like seven. And, um, I want to get something fast to kind of replenish the proteins and stuff like that. Give me some energy till lunchtime, but not, and then I'll eat usually some chicken and some eggs, avocado, et cetera, you know, around lunchtime. Um, totally. One more nerdy nutrition question for you, which is cooking oils that are not inflammatory, which what would you recommend? Uh, so back to my steak and your ass comment, <laughs> just like those fats being really similar. It's hard for us to kind of wrap our heads around this, but honestly, the, the more saturated fats, so things like tallow or duck fat or, uh, lard, things like that, those saturated fats are solid at room temperature, right? And they are less prone to oxidation than cooking oils like canola or even olive oil or more of those like liquid oils that we typically can get at our local grocery store. And so if you think about taking something like duck fat as an example and cooking with that, it's less prone to oxidation. So you can actually cook with it without having the fats go rancid. And we haven't really touched on this much today, but if we were diving deeper into nutrition, we would talk a lot about the problems that people run into with either eating poor quality fats that are prone to oxidation and prone to going rancid, especially under cooking temperatures. Or we would talk about the balance of omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids and which are uh, omega-6s are pro-inflammatory, omega-3s are anti-inflammatory, blah, 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 blah. We have way too many pro-inflammatory fats yeah. in our modern day diet. And we have to really, really, really intentionally focus on that. And so with your good, better, best cooking oils, ideally you would find something that is more on like the saturated end of things. So those are a lot of times animal fats that you would be cooking with. And then ideally you would be looking for those good quality animal fats that are coming from, let's say pasture raised sources. So a really good example of this is a stick of butter. All sticks of butter are not created equal. If you get a stick of butter from let's say Kerrygold and you open that sucker up, you'll see it's this like really beautiful gold color and immediately that tells you that it has more nutritional content mm. than a stick of Lando Lakes. And in addition to there being more micronutrient content, there's also going to be more anti-inflammatory omega-3 fatty acids because the cows that produced that milk that became that butter were actually eating nutrient-rich grass yeah. rather than a bunch of grains. So all of that to say it's a hard shift for people to make because it really runs contradictory to everything we've been taught in the world of nutrition. But if you can look for those healthy animals and the fats that come from those healthy animals, that is going to be your better choice for cooking over canola, 
grapeseed, even olive oil. Like you don't necessarily really want to cook with olive oil a whole lot because yeah. it has a fairly low smoke point. Right. And oxidized fats are bad news for your whole system. Yeah. What about like uh, a coconut oil, which is kind of like, like you said, solid at room temperature, but it's not animal, but maybe more yep. readily available. Is that a good option? Oh, yeah. And that was the, see, this is sort of the fun nutrition science with Heather's Choice. Like that was why packerins came to be mm. because coconuts are loaded with medium train, medium chain triglycerides which your body is able to assimilate and use for energy really, really quickly, mm. like relatively over other fats. Yeah. And I used to always have athletes when I was doing sports nutrition coaching at CrossFit gyms, I would have them take a spoonful of coconut butter before workouts, mm. because that again, kind of trains your body to reach for those fats for met your metabolism rather than kind of looking for quick and easy carbohydrates like we talked about earlier yeah cool all right well man this has been a really cool conversation we covered a lot of ground here i know we could do this all day we i feel like we haven't <laughs> even scratched the surface still. i know probably gonna have to have you back on at some point but um i know you got stuff going on so i want to let you go but I really appreciate your time and if, just tell folks where they can find out more about Heather's Choice and, and order and try out some of your products. Yeah, absolutely. So people can head on over to heatherschoice.com. That has our full adventure menu. Uh, we're also really active on Instagram and Facebook so they can come say hey to us. Uh, either myself or our team member, Brooke, will answer your direct messages on Instagram. And yeah, we just love when people come and say hey. And then if anybody's coming through Anchorage, come visit our kitchen. We have, you know, a really awesome space and we love showing it off and cool. kind of showing people how we make the food so that they really know what they're getting when they're going on these backcountry trips. Yeah. Well, I definitely plan on coming to see you guys in August. So, but also I'll see you tonight at the Founders Speaker Series. Yeah. Tonight's <laughs> going to be freaking fun. So I will look forward to seeing you there as well. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Heather. Thanks again for listening to the Hunter's Quest podcast. And make sure you stay up to date on social media at the Hunter's Quest on Instagram and the Hunter's Quest podcast on Facebook. And we'll have all kinds of photos and videos from my day-to-day as well as stuff from the awesome guests we're having on here. As always, I'm more than happy to connect with you guys if you have questions about hunting or spiritual stuff or gear, fitness, whatever. Just drop me a line in my DMs or you can email me at hunter at thisishuntersquest.com. If you like what you're hearing, please go ahead and hit the subscribe button and leave me a rating and a review. That's really helpful. And don't forget to share with your friends. So stay tuned, lots of cool stuff in the works, and I'm really excited to continue this quest together.